Welcome, welcome, welcome to the John of All Trades podcast, episode 111. I'm your host, John X. Thank you for joining us. Glad to have you back once again. It's politics time. That's right. Ballots are officially dropped. If you are registered to vote, you will get one in your mailbox this week if you haven't gotten it already. Today is Wednesday, October 19th, as this episode is being released. Ballots officially dropped Monday, October 17th. So as you give careful consideration to the array of issues that face Colorado, not only are we casting a vote for president, not only are we casting a vote for U.S. Senate, not only are we casting a vote in any number of local elections, but we have a loaded, loaded ballot voting on everything from health care to increasing the minimum wage to end of life options to whether or not we want to make it harder to amend the Constitution. I mean, there is an absolute ton going on in this state, which is why this week, I wanted to talk to someone in the thick of it. This week's guest is Lynn Bartles. Now, Lynn Bartles is the Director of Communications for the Colorado Secretary of State, Wayne Williams. You may also recognize Lynn Bartles' name because she wrote forever, or at least for what felt like forever, at the Denver Post and the Rocky Mountain News. She was their political reporter. Whenever I had client work that saw me go to the state capitol, frequently I would see Lynn. She'd be in her office, she'd have... Tons of stuff stacked up. She'd be working on any number of stories, and she was always just a delight to work with. Lynn Bartles left the Denver Post last year. It was July of last year. She accepted a buyout, and the Denver Post continues to do wave after wave after wave of buyout here. And she took a job working for the Colorado Secretary of State, which surprised a number of people. But in this week's episode, I follow up a year later. And we catch up with Lynn Bartles, and we see how she's doing. How has the transition been from journalism? Is she finally working a 40-hour work week? I'm going to go ahead and spoil that one for you because anyone who knows Lynn knows she is in no way working a 40-hour work week. She's a workaholic, but we do get into that in this week's episode as well. We also talk about working elections. We talk about what goes into that, the number of media requests that she is now answering being on the other side of that media PR person interchange. It's a fascinating episode, and I was happy Lynn was able to spare an hour for me because she's got an absolute ton going on. And that comes across in this week's episode. And as I thought about what I wanted to say in the intro, I kept thinking of the word effortlessness. But that's imprecise. What I'm trying to convey is that when you talk to Lynn Bartles, you get the sense she has full command of what she's doing. There is an ease with herself that comes across. And it's fun listening to her tell stories. It's fun watching her sort of be sure-footed through any number of issues. She talks about a couple of issues of controversy that she has faced over the course of her career, one of which was recent at the Secretary of State's office. We talk about her reaction and her feeling after tweeting that picture of the empty boxes submitted by people seeking the ballot this year in Colorado. We also talk about the future of the news media. How long can the buyouts last? And what does that mean for journalism? And the thing that's so striking about Lynn is that she never really stopped doing journalism. One of the things she plugs is her blog on the Secretary of State's website. And when she got hired by Wayne Williams, she said, look, I need a blog. And he goes, why do you need a blog? And she said, you like that softer stuff. You like that sort of slice of life. You like when we highlight positive stories. 
And there are fewer and fewer reporters available to do that kind of thing. So I want to be able to do that. And that's really important to me. It adds a lot of time to her day, but I would say it's a huge value add for not only her, but the Secretary of State's office and anyone who's ever had the privilege of reading it. So I'm super jazzed to bring you this week's episode. We'll get to that in a second, but first, want to share a little plug with you. It's for her son. She doesn't actually have kids, but it comes up in this week's episode. She talks about her son. That's Zach Knaus. Zach Knaus used to be communications director for the Senate Democrats. He is now the owner of Four Degrees. And Four Degrees is the sponsor of the John of All Trades podcast. So check them out on the web, the number four, D-E-G-R-E dot E-S. Zach has spent most of his life working in politics and working in campaigns. He was on this show. He was like episode nine. And he talked about running campaigns from the time he was a little kid all the way through high school and then all the way into his professional life. And now he does it for four degrees. So no matter what kind of campaign you're running, whether it's a candidate, whether it's an issue, whether it's a campaign to get more people to come to your restaurant, that's a campaign. I mean, you've heard advertising campaign. Zach specializes in engaging on social media, all of the audiences that need to know about your business, your candidate, or your issue. He is fantastic at what he does. It's what he's been doing his entire life, and now he is just crushing it at four degrees. I feel incredibly privileged. They are our sponsor. They have been for the last 110 episodes, and they are for episode 111. So check them out on the web. The number four, D-E-G-R-E dot E-S. So... Let's do this week's episode with Lynn Bartles. She is the communications director for the Secretary of State Wayne Williams office right here in Colorado. She's a former reporter at the Denver Post and Rocky Mountain News, and her episode starts right now. Oh, I mean, just everything. I have this daily to-do list that just gets longer and longer and... I mean, one day I came in here and it was like Japanese TV calling early and people are interested in our elections. Yeah. And it just makes me think if we had a competitive, are we talking right now or are you just testing? You know journalism, okay. we're going. All right, we're going. Okay. I think if we had a a hyper competitive U.S. Senate race like we did two years ago. Right. Between Corey uh, and Mark. Yes. I think we'd be tripping over reporters now. Yeah. But what do they want to know when they're calling you now? The most basic thing is our voter registration, which I don't think it's easy to find on our site. So I'm always walking people through it. But I, I, I say I won't give you the numbers. I'm going to show you how to find them. Okay. So you can bookmark it and then do it yourself. You know, teach them to fish. Teach them to fish. Right. It depends, too. A lot of campaign finance questions last week. Really? Over the weekend, I had many, many questions about what happens if Trump drops out? Yeah, which seems unlikely. I mean, that, that that seems like a very hard thing to unbundle at this point in the election, right? Oh, sure. And our ballots, I told people, our ballots are already printed. Yeah. And the military, some military people have already voted, military and overseas. So, okay, we're recording this on October 11th, and you've already gotten ballots back? Well, for military and overseas okay. voters, because they go out earlier. Okay. That makes sense. And then ballots drop next week, right? For Monday, October 17th. Wow. That's, uh, yeah. So, yeah, you got plenty to do. Um, are people curious about our ballot initiative process? Because this state is fairly easy to get on the ballot. When the oil and gas was going on with the fracking, yeah, I had, like, the days when you come in early, you could really see it. 
because the East Coast bankers okay. and investment offices were calling right and early. What do I know? Do I know anything? Can I give them a heads up? It was a big deal financially for the state, as I found out. I mean, I had more calls from investment folks than I had from reporters. Wow. And how do you handle that? I mean, it, as your, your title is communications director, right? Right. And so, I mean, ostensibly, your job is to communicate with the media. But if investment folks are talking about this, how much are you obligated to engage with them? Well, I tell them, you know, well, at this point, we didn't know anything. Right. So I didn't have much to engage with. Although, you know, people, sometimes they call back, well, can you explain this or that? And I, you know, finally it'd be like, I just can't or, yeah. you know, and it's, that's the reality. If you've got a bunch of calls lined up, I mean, Colorado media always comes first. Okay. Yeah. And then that other makes sense. People. And then actually the people who come last are people who don't put phone numbers on their emails <laughs> to me. That's always helpful. Yes. Hey, thanks a lot. Uh, you're a PR pro, aren't you? Yeah. Um, so, okay, that uh, that brings me to an interesting point. As I'm sitting here in Lynn Bartle's office, communications director for Secretary of State, formerly of the Denver Post, Rocky Mountain News, and a few others, right? Correct. So, But most notably, at least for my purposes, I knew you from the Rocky and the Denver Post. And I was thinking about it, and I reached out to you because I got to thinking, when you left the Post... When you, you accepted a buyout there, right? Correct. So that was in July of last year? Yes, it was. So, so is this, this is the first big election where you've worked for the Secretary of State, right? You could say that, except for me last year, the the election, the off-year election yeah. for school boards was seemed huge to me because huge to A, it was my first election. <laughs> yeah, right. B, you had all these campaign finance questions, which might as well be, you know, like in calculus. It's so confusing. <laughs> and it, we were the most watch state in the nation because of our recalls so i was like wow if it's like this now what's it going to be like in a presidential year and it is crazy is it is it even worse oh it's so much more intense okay you know than last time like i told you i come in one day and i have japanese tv (laughs) calling and you're like uh okay our, our ballots go out here and our election starts here what they seem what it's hard for people to get their minds around is they don't have all these precinct places to go to. Okay. And I go, well, we have polling service centers you could still go to. All right. Interesting. Is it helpful to have had that school board election under your belt before you did this one? Can you imagine jumping into this one? Well, the most helpful thing to have had was to cover the Capitol and politics for so long. I mean, that's been the amazing thing because you can call somebody up and say, hey, you know, this, that, and it, it makes a difference when you've been a reporter because you're like, hey, if we messed up, we're going to say we messed up. If yeah. we, in fact, this was kind of interesting to me. You might have noticed that Channel 4 did that story. They found some names of dead voters. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, dead people, did they vote? And they gave us a list. Now, it wasn't nearly as many on the list as we were able to pare it down quite a bit. But nonetheless... They called us back panic saying, wait, wait, you're working too fast on this because <laughs> we had already turned it. We had already talked. El Paso had already turned it over to a DA there and they weren't planning to air it for a couple of weeks and they were afraid it was going to get out. So it was like, huh. wait, I mean, literally we got the list. We took action. We called the counties. And I think that was their surprise that we were on it so fast that they were afraid of getting scooped on their own story. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Oh, that's too funny. Well, I mean, if if you're going to call the Secretary of State's office with the career that you've had, you better come correct. 
I mean, you better, you know, you better be ready. Uh, yeah, we're like, we're on it. Yeah, I mean, you're not going to let it go. And so the reason I want to do this now was obviously we have the, the election coming up here in less than a month. And last year, you know, Kyle Clark did that really nice balance of power piece with you. And so there was a lot written about you leaving the post um, because, I mean, you are one of the most well-regarded political reporters in the country. Rachel Maddow uh, tweeted you out, and it was people from both sides, too, which I thought anytime you can get both sides to agree on the merits of someone's job performance, that's really cool. What I thought was amazing is both Morgan Carroll, the Democrat running yeah. in the 6th, and Mike Kaufman, the Republican she's trying to unseat, called me and said, no, <laughs> no. That's great. I mean, that's fantastic. So with with the background of the election, I wanted to follow up a year later and see, you know, how it's been going and how the transition has gone. And one of the things I was struck by as I was prepping for this was I read that one of the reasons for accepting the post buyout was and, and going to a state job was that it's a more 40 hour a week job. <laughs> Right? Oh, I, Any regrets about that statement? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, first of all, as people said, it's not my DNA to work a 40-hour week. Right. And Wayne, when he calls me at night, like 7 or 8 o'clock, knows to call here first. <laughs> call the office first? Right. And I just had our campaign finance person said, hey, I got a press call about 5 o'clock Friday. Yeah. A 5 o'clock Friday. And I figured you weren't there. And I said, I didn't even leave till 8 o'clock on Friday. Yikes. I think part of it is, you know, I have a blog on the yeah. Secretary of State's website. So if you go to our website and go down to the bottom, it's Lynn Bartles' blog. And the blog is has added much time to my day because I have to, you know, I write the blog and do all this. And I'm backed up on all these blogs. On the other hand, I really wanted it because I thought if you have those, that kind of feel-good news, there's not enough reporters to cover it. Yeah. And so I, when I even told, you know, Wayne Williams, the secret, my new boss, I need a blog. He said, why? And I said, because you like the stuff I wrote that was the feel good news. There's not enough reporters to cover that now. And then, so the county clerks love it because, I mean, these are the hardest working people in showbiz. And I've highlighted, I mean, you talk about people who work their fannies off. It's Colorado's county clerks. Yeah. Wayne was just up in Jackson County. Mm Mm-hmm. Where the clerk told him, we do the marrying and the burying because they issue marriage licenses and they're also in charge of the cemetery there. So in the winter, you know how cold it gets in Jackson County. Uh-huh. They have to call Road and Bridge and say, bring the heaters. We're going to have to dig a grave. <laughs> oh, my God. I know. Would you think that this is a county clerk? No. I... And they love it when people like see him in the grocery store and said, okay, now that the elections are over, what are you doing? And they're like... <laughs> The elections is, you know, one portion of our big, big, big job. Yeah. It reminds me of uh, when people, when I was traveling a lot for business and people are like, oh, traveling for business must be nice, huh? And I go, I'm not doing that instead of my normal job. I'm doing that on top of my normal job. So your right. county clerk, like the election is the the added, I mean, that's high game profile time. Part. Exactly. Yeah. But there's still so much that goes into it. And that's one of the purposes of this show is to talk about that. You have a very similar bent with this blog, and I think that's really cool. So anyone who hasn't gone to the Secretary of State's website and checked it out, what are some of the other things they can expect to find there? Well, I do county clerks. I talk about uh, um, when Katie Atkinson died. Mm -hmm. She was a political consultant, worked mostly on ballot measures. 
The number of times I have wanted to call her this fall has been so tough. Yeah. In my office, you can yep. see I have two things of Katie up here. Yeah. It just breaks my heart that she's not there. So I wrote about her dying and mm-hmm. on that blog when Howard Gelt died. He was a big former Democratic Party chair, larger-than-life right. figure, very well-known in this community. When I wrote a blog about Howard Gelt, someone emailed me and said, please tell me when I die, you will write my obit. Oh, wow. That's that's an incredibly flattering thing to hear, but also, you know, that's, that's sad. Yeah, it is sad. But, I mean, part of it is I, I know a lot of people in the community. Yeah. All those years at the Rocky and Post, all my weekends, on my own time, going to political events for both parties really paid off. I mean, when I started the job, I'd laugh because, you know, my phone would ping early in the morning. Right. And I knew to check it because it would be my boss, Wayne Williams, calling to say, do you have so-and-so? Or, you know, texting, <laughs> do you have so-and-so's phone number? Yeah. And this is what's so great about Wayne. Talk about a guy who's sure in himself. The first road trip we went on, we stopped and we saw the Chafee County clerk, Lori huh. Mitchell. And we sat down for breakfast with her, and she said, Wayne, I'm just so, it's so great to have you in our county. But to meet Lynn Bartles, I just can't (laughs) believe it. And he's not somebody who gets like, this it can't do, she's overshadowing me. He just laughs about it. (laughs) Is it ever uncomfortable for you? Because I've interviewed a handful of journalists here. And journalists, by and large, I've found, this is just, this is John talking, this is my observation, like doing the work. And when you are rewarded for good work, a lot of journalists are uncomfortable with the level of acclaim that comes with years of doing good work because, like it or not, you end up in the public spotlight because you are doing a public service. What's your level of comfort with that? Well, I always thought I got these accolades. Oh, Colorado's best political reporter. And yet Joel Hannell, when he worked for the Durango Herald, John Fryer Mm -hmm. in Loveland. I mean, these were people who were amazing reporters. I always thought they did, you know, the best job. I guess I'm just louder. And uh, so, (laughs) so you get more of the highlight there. But I mean, there are things in the job. I feel handcuffed when it comes to tweeting out sometimes. Uh, I have to really... Are you talking about in the current job? In my current job. Yeah. Because I was like a tweet queen before. Now what my problem is, is I tweet out a lot of things and then people will call me and say, do you know that you're tweeting all this stuff out on Wayne Williams's account? <laughs> I'm like, no, I'm trying to delete it and that sort of thing. Yeah, you go. This is not an official position of the Colorado Secretary of no, State. <laughs> no. So I, I'm almost thinking I need to take him off my Twitter because I can't, I yeah. keep forgetting. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. I mean, Kyle Clark was one of the people who called me and said, Did you mean to retweet this under Wayne's name? And I was like panicked trying to get it deleted fast. Well, and it's so hard in the Internet because everything lives forever. I know. And actually, Wayne's been good about it. The the funniest time ever is when I I had tweeted out on my account. Mm -hmm. I had tweeted out on Wayne's account. OMG, OMG, I just met Bob Woodward. He had such an impact on my career. And I was seated next to Wayne at the time when I told him, I go, oh, I just tweeted on your account. He goes, what'd you tweet? And I told him he started laughing. So then I retweeted on his account. Bartles is using my account again by mistake. Well, so you diffuse it with a little playful humor. Well, you know, you have to, that, that election last year, we for 30 minutes had the 
marijuana tax results mixed oh. up. We oh, you had them flipped? Had them, yeah, that it was failing two to one instead of passing two to oh, one. Oh, okay. And Wayne was the one who caught it and said, there's no way this would fail in Denver. Right. And it turned out there was a computer glitch from a county that threw all of ours off. Oh, okay. So Wayne comes down and he comes, you know, he does this drive by six foot four. So his legs going 100 miles an hour comes in and said, we need a press release on this. I go, we're not doing a press release on a mistake that's a half hour long when, you know, I worked for the Denver Post and their computer system used to go down for hours. (laughs) Right. So all I said, I already tweeted out, we're just testing Pat Stedman's heart rate. He's the state (laughs) senator who, you know, was behind that measure. And so I'm like, you know. We're not going to, for something minor like that, let's have fun with it. Okay, so here's here's a quick anecdote. And this is this is one of the ways I, I actually know you because I worked at MGA Communications for a while. Zach Knauss was my colleague there. My son. Your son? Yes, haven't you heard that? <laughs> no. Where one time I sent a note, it was to his dad, and I said something about our son. And <laughs> I don't know why I did, you know, I... I don't have kids, so I never learned to multitask. So probably somebody asked me a question as I was right. typing it. So ever since then, we I've referred to him as my son. <laughs> That's so funny. And he were he did uh, Senate Dems, right? Yes. He, he he was the communications director there. After he left, Ben Martyr took over his job. Right. And my favorite article you ever wrote called out Ben on the cutesy poo press release names, like the headlines that he would write on his on his mm-hmm. press releases. They were just filled with all this tortured wordplay. And I, I mean, I hope Ben isn't upset if he's listening to this. I love Ben Martyr. And, you know, he was always one of my editors who would tell me, hey, you've got something. Gotcha. You get a typo or something like that. But what was so funny is you took him to task for just one too many mm-hmm. of this tortured wordplay in the press release. And Zach and I were laughing in our office because Zach's like, I told him not to do that. He's like, he's going to get called out and he's going to get called out by Lynn. That is so funny. (laughs) And sure enough, there it was. And he goes, look at this stuff. He's like, I'm on the list. And he goes, this is awful. And I think he toned it down after that. And he's been very successful since then. Oh, Ben's like amazing. Yeah, he's terrific. He's great. Yeah. No, people would always say, what was... They they would always say, "Why would you give let something Lynn Bartles get a hold of this, you know, <laughs> this memo or something?" But yeah, when you see that, even on Twitter to this day, if somebody was like, "Oh, she's tweeting out bad stuff on Republicans, and she's a Republican, and she works for a Republican," I'd say, "Look at what I just." I mean, I thought Hillary lost that debate Monday because she just when they'd say time, she would be and blah 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 and blah 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 blah, and I was like, she seemed so calm and cool the first one. She seemed a little bit more desperate this time. A little wound up, right? And yeah. so I'm like an equal opportunity abuser. Well, you're a journalist. I mean, my friend Simon Lomax called journalists. I think he called them professional malcontents. And is that Curmudgeons. accurate? Yeah. I don't actually think I am. I think I'm kind of more the sunshiny that used to drive people nuts. I'm kind of like. Everything's exciting and wonderful. And my first legislative session that I covered, when the last day when it was over, I cried and cried. I thought, this is the greatest assignment ever. Really? Then over the years, you know, I'd cry and cry when it started. Like, you know, (laughs) here comes 120 days of, you know. My friend in Wyoming who does lobbying there, they have a very short session. Mm -hmm. It's, uh, she calls it 20 days and 40 nights. Yes. So. (laughs) That is a great line. Yeah, that's. Well, I came here from New Mexico where they had 30 day one year and 60 the next. Okay. So the idea that people were leaving at noon on Friday and I'm like, stay and get it over. Yeah. You know, spare us. Yeah. I will tell you this. I miss desperately the people at the legislature. 
but I don't miss sitting through some of those committee hearings. Yeah, oh, gosh. Committee hearings, if you've never sat through one, uh, are very slow death. They are, but and sometimes you sit through them and you get great stuff. I oh, mean, well, sure. People always, when both newspapers were there, the editors were both papers would say, we're going to do it differently this year. <laughs> we're not going to you know, just sit in committee hearings. We're going to cover the big stuff. Until the other paper broke a story out of a committee hearing, and then it was like, why weren't you in that committee hearing? Oh, the one I'm not supposed to go to? Right, the one you directed me not to go to? Right, and I remember them saying, now, civil unions, it's been covered a lot. I wouldn't even cover the hearing. And I happened to walk in when a witness was testifying against civil unions saying the anus is an exit, not an entrance. (laughs) And I thought, Mm. where am I? Yeah, what planet am I on? And when I went up to interview the woman afterward, Rosina Kovar, she looked at my name tag and said, oh, I loved you when you were with the Rocky Mountain News. So even though people have kind of gone after her and called her all sorts of names, she's actually a really good person and interesting to talk to. She just has an opinion on this that a lot of people don't have. Yeah, and expresses it in sort of... Um, medical terms. She was very, very medical. Very clinical. <laughs> yes, very clinical. It was very appropriate. So my my point about the, the professional malcontent is, it, I agree. I mean, and one of, one of the things about your reputation is that you treated people like humans, which was always great. I, I would pitch you things that when you're a PR person, you're worried, especially if you if you work for a PR firm, that you're sending out a batch of shit. You know, mm-hmm. you work really hard to, to tailor it to if you're good at what you do and you take pride in what you do, you work really hard to tailor it to the reporter and try and generate interest. And here's why, you know, here's the value proposition for you. But at your core, you're always worried it's a batch of shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But you were always very nice uh, about anything that I pitched you and you gave thoughtful consideration to it. Now, with that said, the malcontent part, part is you're not afraid to take, say, the director of communications for the Senate Democrats to task for his cutesy-poo press releases. You know what I mean? You, right. you say you give it to both sides, and you'll do it with a smile, but you're not afraid of confrontation in that way, where I think a lot of people are. And I've noticed journalists are willing to ask the questions that a lot of people don't in terms of polite company. Well, I'll, I'll give you... <laughs> A fun story and it involves a word that's very, very prominent right now. It's called pussy. Yeah. I always knew because I worked out of the basement and that's where the legislative council was. Right. I always knew when somebody filed a ballot measure. So I go, oh, this thing was just filed. Mm-hmm. I called Matthew Garrington and I laugh about it now because I called him to ask him about it. And he was like, oh, uh, 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 well, I, uh, uh, I'm not prepared to talk about that. And I go, you guys are just a bunch of viral pussies. <laughs> Well, five minutes later, Ben Davis calls and says, all right, now these guys are kind of afraid of the media and people really are afraid of you and blah, blah, blah. And I think Ben got a huge bonus because he was the first person in the environmental community that would get me to actually write about stuff. But it's because he persisted and was just like, hey, this is important. You know, I'd get assigned something that I don't know anything about, like oil and gas. Um, right. When they had that coal bill, and they t- wanted me to write, and I'm go me write oil and gas. Are you talking about 1365 a number of years ago? The or? one that now Tipton's bringing up again. Yeah, I don't know. I, um, I don't I know that remember, one. Remember, but it was when Ritter was still there. Yeah, and it was kind of hurt coal and. Yeah, I think you're. That one. I think you're talking about 1365. Okay, We're, so I wrote yeah, right. a big front page story for it on Monday and people go, you should write about it because 
you'd actually, like when I would call these Envira's, they go, Lynn Bartles is writing an Envira <laughs> story. No, here's the best. I was on the road with Udall. Uh-huh. It was part campaign, part business. The business part was we were in Gunnison County, and they were talking about the sage grouse, which I probably looked at headlines but never read the story. And I right. go, this is fascinating. I'm going to write a story about this. Because what you had in Gunnison County was the hay growers, the hikers, the hippies. They all came together to yeah. help the sage grouse. So I called Todd Hartman, who's the spokesman for Department of Natural Resources, yep. funniest guy that ever lived. I used to sit next to him at the Rocky. And we're just kind of shooting the breeze in front of him. He goes, wait, you're writing about the sage grouse? You're writing an environmental story? And I said, I know, I know. <laughs> and it kind of freaked him out because I wasn't known for doing those. Right. But how did it turn out? The story was great. And when we visited Gunnison County, when Wayne and I did, they had their city attorney there. And I think they thought, oh, there might be some issues. We'll have our attorney there. And I said, actually, we've met before in the barn doing the sage grouse. I was with Mark Ewell. And he goes, that was an amazing story. And he gets up and leaves, you know, because he's <laughs> like, all right, they're going to be okay. Okay, good. But, yeah, it's – I never dreamt – I even kept saying one of the things that happened in this process of – once I started considering the buyout, then people started offering me jobs. Yeah. And and I remember I, I could not decide. I was up at 3, 4 in the morning, and I said to somebody finally, they go, well, what's your heart saying? I go, well, it says, I think, the Secretary of State job. And they said, well, take it. And I go, well, I think people make fun of me. They said it's beneath me and all that. And I go, it's not beneath you. If you say it's what you want to do. Well, thank gosh I followed my heart because – I've actually loved the job. I have the best boss in the world. That's great. First of all, Wayne Williams is so, you know, I mean, he doesn't yell or he'll say, let's talk about this. And I've been on the job, what, 13, 14 months. Yeah, 14 months. And I've cried one time. Which people know me, that's kind of a miracle because I get all distraught and I cry and all that. Are you a crier? I am a crier. I am too. I am a big, I'm also a swearer. Oh, so and that's been a problem because, you know, Wayne, the Boy Scout leader, <laughs> I've had to really rein it in. Yeah. Well, I mean, calling, not being afraid to call someone an enviro pussy, you know. <laughs> Isn't that the greatest line ever? That's tremendous. Such an enviro pussy. You know? <laughs> and because they, I was like, you, you file something for a ballot measure, but you can't talk about it. Yeah, You're too on. afraid. Like, Stand get up. out of here. Yeah. Grow some. You know, I was so mad. Yeah. Well, that's good. I mean, it, <laughs> can, would you be willing to share, and you don't have to name names here, but what were some of the other jobs that were presented to you as you left the post? I mean, what, what types of things were you involved with and what led you to choose the Secretary of State over those other opportunities? Well, people said I should start my own firm. Right. Like consulting? Consulting firm. And I remember I was out with two former it's so strange how it happened. I had to call Representative Frank McNulty about something, the former speaker. And he goes, are you going to take that buyout? I said, no. And I said, although somebody said, you should apply for the Jefferson County school job. You're so good with both sides that you might be able to navigate that landmine. Oh, geez. That's all I said. And two minutes later, I get a phone call. It was Frank and it was Matt Needler. Yeah. And they also said, you know, let's have lunch and we'll talk. And they said, well, are you interested in this? And finally he said, I'm not really interested in education. <laughs> And they said, well, you should start your own political consulting firm. And I said, who would hire me? They looked at each other in shock. (laughs) Like, are you kidding? But, you know, I have to say my family was kind of behind the scenes, as it turns out, heavily involved in this. And they were like, if you can't work, you know, 
if you can't regulate your hours now, yeah, oh, what are you going to do when you're trying? It's your own company, your own, you know, you've when got you're to get chasing. this contract. Yeah, you won't be able to do it. Another uh, media outlet tried to hire me. There were just things like that. And in the end, I just went with, I went with this because, you know, and I still get job offers while I'm here. <laughs> really? Yeah. They don't stop, do they? No, they haven't. And in fact, somebody talked to me Saturday about a job. Jeez. But, I mean, by all accounts, it sounds like you're very happy here. I know. That's what they're always like. You're really... You're into it. Yeah. They're like, I, you know, having a great boss mm-hmm. is really big. Yeah. And so when somebody says, I go, why would I trade possibly having not a great boss? If I started my own firm, I know I'd hate that boss. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know. So, yeah. I mean, I like the job. I tell you what, we have the greatest staff here. I love the people here. I mean, we're like most workplaces. We're sure. crazy and all that stuff. But that's what makes it what it is. Yeah. So it's a great place, great staff. They're just wonderful to me. And um, well, what? Know? Yeah, absolutely. And I that makes perfect sense. I, I always say to people, I, I like to go and talk to college students about what life as a professional communicator is like, because I feel like when you're a student, you have no idea no. how the communications world work, actually works, and the array of jobs that are available to you, and the types of things that you can do. Everyone thinks communications is all either publicity or spin. And that is such a very small subset of what we do. I always tell them, I'm like, if you find a place where you like the people you work with, you can do anything. Like, you can really work in any communications vocation if you like the people around you and you like your job. As a counterpoint, and people who listen to this show regularly are going to be tired of me saying this, but when I left corporate, I left about the right before you did. So it was, it was April of 15 that I started my own firm. And the reason I did that was because I had a problem with every boss I'd ever had, except one. And I go, you know what? It's probably not all them. <laughs> you know, that problem is probably, uh, I, I, I can't have that many bosses in a row where I have a problem. It's probably me. So, you know, that, that was a contributing factor to me going out on my own. And it's funny that the opposite was true for the you. The opposite. Absolutely 100% the opposite. Hmm. In fact, I have a home computer from here, but I still come in on the weekends to do it here. A, I like the double screen. Oh, yeah. I'm home. That's helpful. My dog's like, (laughs) walk me. And um, yeah, so in fact, Wayne was laughing because he asked what my plans were for the weekend. We were together Friday at some schools. Yeah. And I said, well, I don't have a lot. So the good news is I'm just going to come in for about two or three hours on Sunday. <laughs> and he starts laughing. He goes, not many people would say the good news is I get to come in <laughs> for two or three hours on Sunday. But I get so much more done then. Yeah. That I like it. So, okay. You're a self-described workaholic. And based on everything that you've told me, I mean, that's obviously true. Right. Why is that? What what contributes to that? Because not everyone is wired that way. Well, I think partly is my dad was a workaholic. Now, trust me, I don't have people in my family who are. And in fact, they'll say, look, dad killed himself and working. And for what? You know, I'd rather have. I don't think <laughs> <laughs> when I started this job, Stephen Tubbs took me out to lunch and he said so tell me have you finally developed a hobby and i said <laughs> i have and he said oh good what and i said wayne and he goes oh gosh no i think i really don't have that many hobbies i don't have kids you just like you like the work so i don't have sporting events i love politics i love going to the political things yeah i don't know i just think well partly is there's just so much to do now if i hadn't started the blog it would be much more a normal work week sure but 
I actually really like the blog. The county clerks like the blog. Wayne likes the blog. People like the blog. We get to promote our staff here. I mean, when the Louis- when they had flooding in Louisiana, yeah, we collected more than six hundred dollars for the staffers there because most of them nice. live in Baton Rouge and were so affected. You know. Wow. Well, and plus, you you get to exercise some of the same muscles that you've that you've done for thirty five years. You know, it's you're still. Scratching that journalist itch. Is that fair to say? Oh, yeah. And it's great because sometimes they'll be like, hey, who do we call if we do this? I go, let me call. And I'll, <laughs> you know, okay, it's all handled. You're going to do this and that. You know what's great is I get to work with the Capitol Press Corps. Oh, yeah. And I worked with them for 15 years. So I yeah, love that. Yeah, that's your them. crew, right? Right. You know, that's my peeps. Yeah, those and, are your uh, peeps. People laugh because they go, well, I see on Facebook, you're still, you guys still all get together. And I said, oh, yeah. Even the ones who have moved out of state and all that, we still all talk and do that. So I still get politics. I get the governor's office. I get the legislature. I get the Capitol Press Corps. Yeah. So, but I have to say, I'm kind of hoping that I look at 2017 and I'm wondering if that might be my year to figure out a better balance. Yeah. Reassess yet again. Yeah. (laughs) As you did in 2015. Yeah. Oh, I need to work a 40 hour work week. I will tell you the first three days on the job, Uh I got home. (laughs) I went and delivered the. I get everybody's mail, but my own, it seems, at my house. Okay. Because I've got my, it's 25, 26, and you, the six is always a nine, and sometimes how the two is looks like a four. So I delivered all the mail, (laughs) and then I walked my dog, and then I came home, then I actually cooked dinner, and then I'm like, it's seven o'clock. What am I going to do from seven (laughs) to ten? Because when you're used to getting home, when I covered the Udall Gardener race, I was usually there between... I rarely left before 11 o'clock at night. Jeez. Um, did that take its toll on you lifestyle-wise, though? I mean, No, because that's what I was used to in an election. So you just had the new, I mean, that was your equilibrium. Right. It was just sort of, I mean, you know, like at the Rocky, you were like, okay, here comes the big difference. I think the hard thing is it used to be the legislature and politics were kind of separated. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. Like both papers had political reporters and they had legislative reporters. But then it, you know, as the papers got smaller and all that, it was one and the same. So, for example, you get done with the Gardner Udall race, which was huge, and already you're in, you know, prepping for the session. Yeah. Then you've got the session starting, and then that ends, and then when the session ends, you've got the election. Yeah. You know, so. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's a never ending. No, it's a it's a, wow. well now that politics is twenty four. Seven. Yeah. So the difference is, I always say, at least on Sundays, I can, like, usually Saturdays, I don't work. You take that day for yourself? Just by fate. Although, you know, this Saturday, I went to this event. It was uh, like a black political women's luncheon. It was, you know, a lot of lawmakers there and who's his fantastic speakers. And, you know, I was invited to go and I went. I sat next to a woman whose husband used to sit next to me at the press table in the house. Oh, funny. Yeah, John Sarchet used to work for Associated Press, and she goes, are you covering this? Because I was taking pictures <laughs> and tweeting and writing things, and I go, no, but it's just kind of what I do still. <laughs> yeah, I, it, it's like I can't not do it. Right. Right, yeah. Okay, so here's a question for you. You've expressed how much you enjoy working for Wayne. Right. Wayne is in an elected position. Have, right. Have you considered... What happens when Wayne either looks to move on or perhaps gets voted out of office? Where does that leave Lynn Bartles? I don't think, number one, I don't think Wayne's getting voted out of office. When I went to this event on Saturday, there were a lot of Democrats there, and they all pulled me aside to say, what a great job Wayne's doing. That's great. he's a Republican. 
one of the things that really influenced me about working for Wayne is that when he ran for office, he was endorsed by the two Democratic mayors in El Paso County. Oh, nice. Because of how fair he had been with elections. I was here all of two weeks when I said, hey, I'm going to go to Crisanta Duran's birthday party. I'm leaving early. And he goes, okay, here, write her a card for me. And it said, let's go out to lunch. Huh. So I don't think he's going to lose. But I, I often tell him, I'm vested after five years. See ya. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no, you're not. Never say never as I learned because I never thought I'd leave journalism. Yeah. But I did. Of course, it was 35 years later. I don't know. I mean, I laugh that I still get job offers. And Wayne loves it. He was at an event where somebody admitted we did. We tried to hire Lynn. He goes, I know. She tells me these things. <laughs> but... Well, and I mean, he, he should take that as, you know, as flattery because, I mean, it shows that he hired the right person and... Oh, he loves it when people say, the smartest thing you ever did was hire Lynn Bartles. That's awesome. And, it, you know, when people ask about it, it, it's like a locker combination. All these things had to have happened. Had they not offered buyouts, hmm. I would never have looked at it. In fact, initially, I threw the buyout paperwork out because I'm like, I'm not going to take what it. What the hell with that? Then some things happen, and then other things happened, and other things happened. And, you know, if he, his communication director had left in April, if he weren't looking for a communications director, like Ooh. I said, it was just this locker combination. Yeah, just the tumblers lined up, right. right? Yeah, it's too weird. And I actually work pretty extensively with your predecessor. Rich? Yeah, Rich. Oh, I call him now and then and get, why did you tell me, why didn't you say don't take the job? That's on a particular <laughs> hairy day, you know, and he just laughs at it. Yeah. I mean... I said it more when, you know, I tweeted out the picture of those empty boxes. Yeah. And um, the fracking people went nuts. And they kept telling me here, relax, you didn't do anything. But I was like, I was pretty depressed for a week. I was like, why did I do that? Oh, after the empty box thing? Yeah. Why were you depressed about that? Well, um, just the fact that when you saw that this was the number of empty boxes that were left over after they consolidated their petitions. Yeah, into like into full boxes, right? Right. And normally you have three or four boxes left over. Yeah. So I think because then they started using it to say they weren't going to be counted fairly and they weren't going to be treated fairly. And it was what people said about this office. This is the most fair office in the world. In fact, I was like, you know, I'm, I don't hear Wayne talking about frank, uh, about fracking that much. But he has told people, I have concerns about this measure and this measure and this measure. Well, if he had concerns about them, how did they make the ballot? Guess what? They collected enough signatures. Right. That's what you have to do. And so they were able to kind of use it to leave the impression of like, oh, we're not going to be treated fairly when oh, this yeah. office is beyond fair. Right. They they were able to give the impression that the deck was going to be stacked against right. them. Right. And that's why I was depressed about it. In fact, Wayne goes, mm. quit pouting. <laughs> and I was, and it was my one year anniversary and he wants to take me out to lunch. And I'm like, no, I'm not going to go. I don't deserve lunch. <laughs> well, I called him home and say, hey, uh, I got to tell you about something. And he goes, well, is it accurate? Were they empty? And I said, yeah. And he goes, read it to me. And again, I say, he goes, you're fine. You didn't do anything wrong. But like I said, I don't like people to question this office because this office. Yeah, the integrity of the office. Under This is a very fair office with very fair people. And they kept saying, well, I, do, I just don't want Lynn Bartles to be, you know, counting that, you know, the petition signatures. Well, that happens in Pueblo. So <laughs> right. not likely. Yeah. But, you're, you're not sitting in here, uh, you know, looking at them yourself. 
Going, right. hmm, Michael J. Fox, huh? Yeah, no. No. <laughs> so, I mean, I just felt kind of bad. So that but, was... But, I mean, it was a lot of boxes, right? It, it was. I mean, I, mean I, rem- I remember the photo. It, it's like 30 boxes, right? I don't know. I didn't count. People asked me to go right. in and count. I didn't count. I was just sort of like, oh, but I'm over it now compared to what I was then. Sure. But I remember saying to Rich Coolidge, why did you say, <laughs> you know, why did you tell me don't take the job? Of course, Rich probably loved it because, <laughs> right. you know, considering oil and gas are part of his... Clients. Yeah, part. Yeah, part of the thing is that Rich just knew it inside and out, and that's what's so Uh, because I can't even, you know, I'm always like, let me find out for you, let me find out for you. you Right. Well, I mean that that takes time. It takes. They say you know it's three years for anything. Well, you know that was the hard thing. I came from where people would say, "Hey, Lynn, what year did Bill Owens first win? You know, governor '98. You know, I would just they call me Dex. I would just reel (laughs) off all this stuff. Boy, there's a dated reference, huh? Yeah, where Todd Hartman, the one I was talking oh, about. Oh, yeah, no, I know Todd. Me, Todd would be like asking me something. And, and recently CNN called and they were looking when's the last time the Democrats had more voters than Republicans leading into a general election. So hmm. I was kind of given this background stuff. And he goes, are you reading something? And I go, no, I just know this that, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, I just know it in my bones. Right. That's um, what I've done for 15 years. I hope I know it. Yeah, really. It's funny. I've uh, I've talked to a couple of people who have both on this podcast. I just recently interviewed John Wenzel, mm-hmm. um, who uh, who's still at the Post, actually. Right. And one thing I'll say is that anyone who worked at either the Post or I found especially the Rocky, that is, I mean, that there's such a family vibe at those papers. Is that what you experienced? Because you talked about all the people you're tight with up at the Capitol, mm-hmm. but it, it seemed like you guys were really all in it together. You know, the post more so uh, really? at the end than, no, the Rocky more so by far. Okay. But the poor, the post, oh, I'm sorry. I thought I turned that off. Oh, that's okay. All right. Um, the post more so at the end, you know. Sure. I mean, well, we, we used to joke at the Rocky that even if you didn't like somebody, if there was a going away party, the whole paper came just to, <laughs> I mean, you look at the reunions the Rockies had, yeah. just when you see things on Facebook, like the Rocky families all commenting on it. And, and I think the, the post has much more now a tight knit. I think some of the mean girls or mean guys <laughs> or whatever left and interesting. You know, and I'll ask you off mic who those folks were, but I'm not going to ask gonna you. I'm not going to tell you off mic or on mic. <laughs> oh, fair enough. Um, yeah, you don't need to slag anyone. One of the terms I've heard, particularly as it pertains to the Post and its new hedge fund owners, is the term that, that is common is the hollowing out of the Denver Post. And in terms of you read about wave after wave after wave of buyout, and you wonder how long are we going to get to a point where there's hardly anyone left. And or... It, or anyone with institutional knowledge. Right. I mean, that's what's just so hard. Yeah, I think it's terrible what's happened. And, you know, in some ways I always say, maybe I'm glad that the Rocky went out first. Because mm. we got to go out looking like JFK and Marilyn, you know, <laughs> right. Monroe. And they're going to go out looking like, you know, Sally Struthers on an infomercial or something. Yeah, better and, to burn out or fade away, right? Right. And I'm just, it's so sad. I mean... I subscribe to the Rocky and the Post the day I landed in time, and I'm still a Post subscriber. Yeah. Now, they'll stack up, they'll stack up, they'll stack up, and then I'll sit down one afternoon and go through them and go, wow, there's some really great stuff in here. 
I'm notorious for having old papers around. And I used to throw a bunch in my trunk to have, like if something happened, I had a paper to read. So one day when Greg Moore was still there, I go, so out dancing with the stars or something. It was some benefit. And he said, what are you talking about? And I go, I read in the paper where you raise money for this. And he goes, Lynn, that was two years ago. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, well, I don't throw them away. I read them. (laughs) I get to them eventually. Uh, One of the things I talked to Wenzel about was, you know, it's, it's hard because I think people underestimate. I, I, it's probably well known now just how much classified advertising was the backbone, the financial backbone of a newspaper that, and how many jobs that actually supported and what civic service that ended up providing for people. What I'm curious about is having worked there for as long as you did, would there have been a way to transition from that business model to whatever it is now where you don't have the hollowing out? I don't know. And I think newspapers are still asking that question. Sure. I mean, the reason the Rocky ended up, the Rocky was in such better financial position than the Post. It was unbelievable. But the Rocky was never going to surpass the Post because the Post had more classifieds. Ah. When I came here, there was such a thing called the Bulldog. The Bulldog was the early edition on Saturday from both the Rocky and the Post. And people would ask me, hey, can you get me a bulldog? Like if I come down, will you hand me one as soon as you get it? Because you know why? They needed apartments, cars, all this other stuff. You want to be the first one to call on the want ads. Yeah. And now, you know. I mean, now it's all Craigslist. Yeah. Craigslist and. And whatever else. Whatever people do. Facebook. I mean, we have, we have a Facebook group. I live in Park Hill and there's a Park Hill Facebook group where people just sell directly to each other. We have uh, our online newspaper, the sunny side. Okay. You know, free dresser in the alley. Most of it involves, because I live in North Denver, stolen package off my porch. And did you hear shots fired at 4 a.m.? Yeah. Those are the frequent ones. Yeah, that's my next door app that uh, (laughs) you always always hear about that. (laughs) It's always shots fired in the middle of the night. Yeah. But, you know. Well, my dad was uh, in the Korean War and they always had my room and they visited. And he said the next morning, Lynn, that wasn't fireworks I heard last night. I Uh, know. Hmm. So, okay, let's pivot a little bit because the election's coming up. This episode's going to go live after ballots have been mailed to people, but before they're due. Right. So take me through a little bit of what this office will do in that time and take me through a little bit of your day-to-day, like the the types of things beyond media inquiries that you're sort of tackling because I like a little bit of insight into the nuts and bolts of the job. Well, we have like a clipping service called Meltwater. And so one of the first things I do when I come in is go through Meltwater and I'll look at things and I'll see clips and... The most frustrating thing to me right now as a comms director is that where are the days when you put your email address and your phone number on the bottom? Yeah. And people don't now. So if there's a local story that I say, you know, I mean, I'll always, even, you know, when they pop them up in the afternoon, mm-hmm. I'll look at them and email somebody and say, hey, I think Tabor, Tabor passed in 92, not 98. And they're like, oh, thanks, you know, <laughs> right. and get them fixed. But some of these national stories, you're just going nuts on. And right now there's, you know, and that's the hard thing. You've got, you deal with that. So I look through the clips. I see what's there. I see what the other states or the counties are doing. I look to see what other secretary of state's offices are doing because we really learn a lot from them. Sure. And so I do that. I'll answer the first calls that came in this morning. Um, While I've been 
talking to you. I've seen somebody walk by my office several times because I'm sending out a press release. And he is he works for a business and licensing, but he is the best editor. Oh, nice. In this. I mean, I'm always like, they should hire him at the post. He's so good. I mean, <laughs> everybody look at and say, oh, it's fine. And he'll find seven errors or something. Jeez. So I'll send out a press release, do that. You know, there's a little sometimes of uh, like fire you know. Oh yeah, you got to put out a fire. Right, or start one. Depends. Or start one. <laughs> yeah, that's what people <laughs> used to always accuse me of starting fires, which isn't you know unnecessarily true. I think you know the hard time for me sometimes, like the first senior staff meeting I was at, I came out of and I go, I have like six great scoops. Yeah. I want to like pick up the phone and call the paper. Yeah. You know, and wow. say like, hey, guess what? Guess what? <laughs> I mean, now I'm better about saying, can I give that to somebody? Can I say that? Can I? Yeah. Can I do that? So Wow, that's funny. Is it has that been interesting being on the other side of that now? Because yeah. when when you were a journalist, I mean I I have relationships with journalists because, you know, I work I do some media relations for my job and I know I can call people and you know, give them things or provide them things off the record or context or whatever. How has it been being on the other side? Well, the first couple of times like I gave out stuff, I was petrified. Yeah. Like you it's know, a I'm, weird I'm feeling, gonna, isn't it? I'm going to lose my job. I'm going to lose my job. And, and you know, that sort of thing. What What's weird is, one, is, look, I'm very sympathetic that there's no reporters and, you know, very few reporters left. I am also know that I could be extremely lazy when I was a reporter. But sometimes just the, if you're going to write a 15-inch story and half of it's about the Secretary of State's office and you don't call? Yeah, that's just I irresponsible. Remember, now, this is a reporter who doesn't cover us much, who's not you know in the metro or anything. I called and said, I, I hate to say this to you, but the only thing accurate in your story is that there's a presidential election in 2016. <laughs> so, I mean, that part, you know. Yeah, you nailed that. Right. I mean, I'm like, okay. It's mostly national news yeah. where you're like, there's no you know, byline, there's no phone, there's no way of getting hold of them. I'm not one to like go on Facebook. And I mean, I did in one case where, um, and it was a reputable news organization wrote that Colorado voters in November were going to be debating on a proposal that would require the wealthy to pay higher taxes. Now, somebody had floated it, but it never went anywhere. Yeah. So I couldn't get that person to call. So finally I put out like several notices on Twitter. If you're following this story, this is not correct. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, first I try to do a a Twitter like, hey, please call me. And sometimes it's just to clarify something or say, where'd you get that info? Yeah. You know, but in this case, I I didn't want the press to pick that up. Yeah, no, that makes sense. So once the election passes, Mm -hmm. the day after the election, and this is just a little bit of Civics 101, what does what types of things will the Secretary of State's office do when they're not directly dealing with an election? Well, we're kind of always dealing with an election, although okay. people think we're just the elections office here. We have more than 600,000 businesses that are registered here. Including mine. Right. We have, um, you know, I'm working on a press release about business raffles, uh, bingo raffles, how you can, we're going to do the training or, or you can register online to make right. it easier. We do charitable organizations. I mean, there's a lot of things. This, In fact, I had no idea when I came here. I'd be like, well, why would we be doing that? Yeah. And they're like, oh, because we do that. And I go, we do? <laughs> because it tends to be you call us for elections. Yeah. But, yeah. I mean, that's the marquee thing. But, you know, I, I thought of... Uh, anytime anyone's, cause I have a number of friends who have gotten laid off or whatever. 
and they're like, well, I want to reg- register a business or I want to start a business. And I go, well, are you registered with the secretary of state? And they go, no, how do I do that? Right. And so I walk them through that and I go, that is probably, I mean, that is, I don't know if I want to say undervalued or underrated aspect of what you do just because all the glamour goes to the election, but. Right. And the thing is, we're amazing here. I mean, you can't believe we're so innovative. We're always like the first state to do this or to do that. And Wayne said when he got into this office, the thing that surprised him the most was that we were cutting edge. And he goes, you think like California was Silicon Valley, that they would be the first to do something. But we're the first to do this or we're the first to do that. We're, you know, it's just it's really an innovative office. That's great. And I have to give credit. Some of that stuff started under Scott Gessler. Nice. Well, I'll tell you what, Lynn, we're about at time. So uh, this was enormously informative and a lot of fun. Would you give us uh, some plugs? Where can we find you? Feel free to plug Twitter, your blog, whatever it is. Give us the web addresses, any place we can get in touch with Lynn Bartles. Okay. Our website is www.sos.state.co.us. And you can get on that website. You can sign up for press releases, find out what's going here. If you go to the bottom, it'll say Lynn Bartles' blog. You can read that. If you have ideas for me, bear with me. I have a really long email address. It's <laughs> Lynn, L-Y-N-N, dot Bartles, B-A-R-T-E-L-S, Lynn dot Bartles at SOS dot state dot C-O dot U-S. I feel for you anytime you're on the phone with someone having to do that. Oh, I know. It's just, I always say, now bear with me. It's a long address. Those are ways to get a hold of me. Um, Great. The Secretary of State has a Facebook page. Nice. Go on there, like it, like all my blog posts so I look good. And um, Yeah, raise those metrics, right? Yeah, I got to raise those <laughs> metrics. Perfect. And you're on Twitter? I'm on Twitter as Lynn underscore Bartles. Fantastic. I'll link to all that. The companion blog piece, johnofalltrades.us. Got it. And uh, you, you'll be able to, to link to all that. It'll be fantastic. Lynn, this was an enormous delight. Thank you for taking some time. I know how busy you are, so carving out an hour for me is just uh, a privilege and a thrill. All right. Thanks so much. Thanks. Continued success to you. That brings episode 111 to a close. God, Lynn Bartles, how cool is she? What a fantastic episode. What a great chat. I am enormously proud of this one. I hope you enjoyed it, too. Thank you, thank you, thank you to Lynn Bartles for taking the time to be on my show, give us insight into her life as a reporter, now on the other side working for the Secretary of State's office. Be sure to check out Lynn Bartles on Twitter. She's a prolific tweeter. She said she's not tweeting as much as she used to. It's still a lot. So, Lynn underscore Bartles. You can find everything at the companion blog piece at the John of All Trades homepage, johnofalltrades.us. Find us on the social media. At J-O-A-T pod is where you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, and Pinterest. You can also find every episode we've ever done at the homepage. The most recent hundred will be on iTunes and the most recent 10 or so will be on Stitcher. So listen, stream, download, subscribe, do all of those things. There are any number of ways to engage with the John of All Trades podcast. Last week, I told you we were going to be off, but I moved up the Lynn Bartles episode to coincide with ballots dropping. Now we're going to be off for two weeks. So check us out in two weeks. We'll be back with a brand new episode coming up right after that. Denver Film Festival, so get stoked. That is going to be a great series of episodes. And one last plug, please vote. Please put together a view of the world and then figure out which candidate or set of candidates and set of issues most facilitate that worldview. So don't just vote. Don't just go out and vote. Get yourself educated and then vote. 
I'm out of here. I'll see you in two weeks. Until then, say goodnight, Gracie. That's good, Johnny.